Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the first edition of the Pueblo Pigskin Podcast Facebook Live. Uh, we're going to be trying to do this every week with everybody here. Uh, I'm Austin White, reporter here at the Chieftain. You guys can introduce yourself. I'm Jeff Litovsky, interim sports editor at the Chieftain. Uh, Anthony Sandstrom, editor of the Pueblo West View and Cyclone Insider. I don't have that fancy title, but I'm Marcus Hill <laughs> and I'm also a sports reporter at the Chieftain. All right, so I mean, that's the team and, you know, just this... This podcast slash Facebook Live every week, we're going to, you know, just be talking about football all across Pueblo. CC Pueblo with Jeff, Pueblo West with Anthony, and Marks and I got, you know, kind of the rest. So you guys can also get involved. You can submit your questions below in the comments, so message us on Facebook, whatever. Anyway, you can try to find a contact us. And we're just going to start today with a little preseason talk, you know, all the classic stuff, you know, storylines, guys to watch games you probably want to go to and we can start with uh, Jeff here on the end we can start with a little CC Pueblo and you know start with main storyline this year for the Thunderwolves. Well I think the storyline you know it's it's the same old same old same old for the CSC Pueblo Thunderwolves they're they've uh, won seven seven out of the last eight years they won either twin or tied the arm for the Armac title they've gone to six national national tournaments uh, it's pretty good not bad, uh, you know. They they, they obviously won won a national title in 2014. Yeah. I mean, this is a team in the last decade that's pretty much dominated the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, and and it, the expectations are no different this year. They've been picked first. They were they got 10 out of 11 votes. They would have had 11 votes if Coach John Riston could have voted for his, his own team, yeah. but he but he didn't do that. So the the key the key for them is uh, I think this year. They, they, it's national title or bust for them. They don't. They don't just they aren't happy just winning the Armac and uh, getting into the playoffs. They they want to win it all, and to be able to do that, you have to be almost perfect in Division Two. You you can't afford to stumble. Last year they stumbled in their second game against Colorado School of Mines, which they tied for for the league title. So uh, they don't want to do that again. They want they want to stay undefeated, and I think the, the what they're trying to do this year is stay balanced. They want a little more balance on, on offense where the, the passing game is, is, is close to the running game. The running game is one of the best in the country. They averaged 250 yards a, a game last year. But uh, I think in camp, you know, hanging out with the coaches and the players, they talk about trying to have more balance and trying to you know, implement the passing game a lot more than they did last year. And, and really it caught up to them in the playoffs all of it from, from one to 100. The, the, the players and the coaches said, you know, the reason why they lost because they really didn't weren't able to pass the football in the playoffs against Minnesota State Mankato when they were shut out twenty four nothing. When you go up into, you know, bad weather and during the fall, you know, late late winter, uh, where where the the weather is is terrible, uh, 
that team shut them down, you know, running the football. So they're going to implement the passing game. They're going and, and they're going to do it regardless of the score. That's what they told us. Told me this today. Talked to Mike McCarty, the offensive coordinator, and this is, this is his second year. So I think they're going to be able to throw the ball and do some things. They have a couple a couple of kids to look for. You know, we'll talk about. But uh, I think that's their theme is more balance on offense. Makes sense to me. So does that mean like a bunch of 66 and nothing games if there's a uh, Well, that's it, what I like to see. Yeah, they said that last year there was times when they got ahead, you know, 35 nothing in the yeah. first and second quarters, and they decided that, you know, that they have to run the ball. I mean, you don't want to embarrass people and you don't want to run it up on them, but they're going to they're gonna try to, you know, throw the ball. They're, they don't want to throw the ball when they have to. They want to throw, you know, they don't want to throw it anytime. So yeah. they, they, they believe they have the, the players in place to do that this year. So I think you're going to see the ball in the air, especially early, early in the, maybe early in games, you're going to see them throw the ball a lot more than they have in the past. Yeah. Are talking about school minds level throwing? Uh, well, oh, man. <laughs> you know, that, people, are, people are deceived. They, just because Carl School of Mines scores 60 and 70 points a game, mm-hmm. you think that they all they do is throw the football. They, they run the football. I mean, teams, you'd be surprised when you look at their splits, and, and they actually run the football almost as much as they pass the football. It's just that they're spread out. Yeah. This league is a pass-happy league, yeah. and, uh, you know, CSC Pueblo has proven that, you know, Teams that win championships run the football. They run the football and, and prevent the run. So uh, you know that's that's their that's what they their mo and that's what they're going to continue to do. Uh, this year, I don't see anything changing. Sweet. All right. Well, that's for CSU Pueblo storyline. Just go down the line. How about Pueblo West, Anthony? Yeah, Pueblo West. They are the only four A team in the city, which they is kind of wild. Yeah. So um, you know they kind of got a whole new different ball of wax they have going on, but it's. Um, I think the theme this year, it's year two, um, is uh, uh, Clint Medeiros is coming back for his second year as coach. He kind of came in late last year, um, about July, he was hired state champion coach at Lahana High School, um, 2A, and he brought in all new terminology. He brought in, you know, not necessarily a new playbook, just a different way to talk about it. And then everybody on that team, starter-wise, is brand, brand new. Um, I think it was in 2017, uh, they scored like 450 points on offense and 390 of them left in graduation. They were were probably supposed to be struggling last year, and they didn't. They went 8-2 in the regular season, third most wins they've ever had in the regular season as a program. And you could argue they didn't know what they were doing. Well, now they know. There's a lot of veteran leadership coming back. You have the skill positions coming back. Chandler Mason's a quarterback. Um, you're going to have two receivers, just Reese Bundy and Dawson Minigotti. Um, both produced a lot last year, and, and they're all back fast. Athletic. Yeah, I mean, Dawson's fast, right, Marius? I mean, he was dominating <laughs> yeah. last year, right? I'd say he did pretty well for himself in the 200 <laughs> last year, so <laughs> yeah. I'd say he'd be pretty good for himself. And he's a deep threat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The question is, will Mason be able to get the ball to him? He's a running quarterback. He's the kind of guy to put your shoulder down. It's like 6'2", 185. He'll run you over you know, at this level, and they've been working on the passing game, though, a lot during the offseason. So if they can get it to him, uh, Reese Bundy is more of your slot guy. Gotcha. He's that, like, okay. you know, Wes Welker, what? Yeah. take your pick of any Patriot slot receiver. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's that kind – yeah, he's, he's that kind of kid. Um, they got uh, th- three or four of their offensive linemen returning. Mm-hmm. I mean – it's they're they're covered up and down the roster. The biggest thing is going to be defense. Uh, they, they lost their entire defensive backfield. Wow! <laughs> and 
And that was they, a good defense. That, that was a great team. defense. A lot of athletes back there, though. Yeah. Um, mostly a lot of baseball guys that were just really solid, and they got back there and they just shut it down. Yeah. That defense only allowed uh, nine points a game last season. <laughs> so it wasn't until like they played Skyline um, in the playoffs, and that was just an unreal offense. You know, they, that team had no business really being in the conversation in the state until they just started rolling through everybody. As yeah. They were like nine seed, right? Because yeah. West was the eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went to a championship. Yeah, they, yep, they got the almost wow. won the thing. As great, a nine seed. Great, <laughs> great offense, and that was about the only only offense they really struggled against. Yeah. Um, so they're replacing a lot over there, but um, so that's going to be the biggest question mark, I think. Yeah. So, you too. Um, yeah, and then, you know, as far as players to watch and all that, no, I'm good. we're going to get to that later. Yeah, guys. yeah. All right. Sticking with the storylines. Okay. Right. I'll do it on tour, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on with storylines. Marks is up next, and we're going to talk a little bit about South, right? Yeah, um, it looks like they'll, they're going to have another interesting year. Um, they started out a little bit rugged last year. Uh, I believe they started 0-4. Then they got the momentum rolling. They started finding their their path on the field. Um, I believe they won five of the next six, and they were able to clinch a playoff berth. And I, I think that's going to be really critical and crucial for them this year how they how they start off the year. I know they have another tough go. Like the schedule doesn't get much easier, but this is what they're made of. Like this is what they want, and this is what they're going to get out of the season. So if they get off to a fast start, they should have a pretty good season overall. But it's going to really depend on those first one or two games to see how things go for them. Yeah, because if you look, they have the same schedule from last year, which I think all five of their non-conference teams were playoff teams. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> when much. you go through that slate, I mean, what do you think that's going to – this year, what do you think that can kind of add? I mean, you know, last year was kind of a new look for them. You know, a lot of different guys shuffled in and out the lineup and whatnot. Yeah. Um, they're going to have a better perspective of things because – I don't know off the top of my head where everybody ranked, but they were pretty high up there in the uh, playoff rankings and as well as the uh, Chassanau poll. Um, now that they've had a look at all these guys and what the offense is doing, what the defenses are, you know, they've got a better or another year under their belts and they understand themselves a lot more. So it should be a lot easier for them to maybe not maybe not easier, but it'll it'll be a better understanding for them to get past some of these teams and you know, those one or two plays that were big that they gave up and kind of turned the game around, they can get past that this season. Yeah. Sweet. That's South right there. Yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit about East. You know, you got to talk about the team that's was in the Class 3A state championship, came a few plays short of winning a fourth title in five years. But the biggest thing with East, obviously, is, you know, Kane Madrano, Luke Andrada, they're both gone. Yeah. BYU, UCLA, Division One talents. You would assume that when you lose guys like that, that a team's going to drop off. But talking with East, they're very high on new quarterback, Jack Helzer. And Marvin Lennon Jr. returns too, and that was a 1,000-yard receiver right there. So really, East, it's kind of a new era this year with them. That's kind of the storyline, you know, bringing in a bunch of new guys. Because on defense as well, they lost. Kane played defense as well. Joe Padula went off to CSU Pueblo. Pat Gonzalez, those two linebackers, they were their leading tacklers. So really it's a lot of change for East, but they feel like they have a lot of guys in place that can, you know, pick up where those guys left off. And, you know, with that kind of experience too for all those guys coming back with a tough slate like South had, I mean, they're pretty similar schedules. You know, going through the playoffs, East is going to have a lot of experienced guys still. And, you know, the expectation over at East that they built this decade is state title or bust. I mean, Max Preps, over the summer, they put in 
this top 10 list of the most dominant schools in the past decade and east was number nine on that list mm -hmm. and for a good reason so east once again gonna be having those state title aspirations but it's gonna be with different guys so it'll be kind of fun see kind of a new look from the eagles and i mean it'll be really interesting to to see how they start off the year as well because yeah. <clears throat> excuse me um they got off to a pretty it was a fairly rocky start i believe they started one and two and then hit their stride right yeah. away and then got back to things as they knew it so I mean, if they can flip that and keep the momentum going, that'll be impressive for them, especially for Jack getting his, uh, his first true reps out there as the uh, full-time QB. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. And one thing about this program, though, it's almost like a baseball organization where they, they have minor leagues to their freshmen. <laughs> their freshman and JV teams have been really, really good over the years. You know, they're, they're getting a feeder from Heaton Middle School, which is Heaton. You know, year after year is, is one of the top middle schools along with Skyview and Pueblo, you know, that feeds Pueblo West. But, you know, they're, they they take a lot of pride in, in their freshman and JV programs where other schools, you know, don't, they're not they're not as important or they don't have the bodies or they don't have a lot of kids. Yeah. I understand they had 90 kids out at East wow. for football. So uh, <laughs> the interest is still there, even though they talk about knocking down the school here, you know, and, and, with, with, and, and all the all the political things that are going on. And then, and really, that drives some of the kids, I think, and that really helps helps them, you know, get this bond and form this bond between, you know, as a community over there on the east side. Okay, hundred percent agree. <laughs> now, I guess we can move on to the next part. Uh, Marcus was kind of getting at it, but we're gonna focus on a few players to look at. You know, a guy that's kind of established. You know, fans kind of already know about him. We're gonna talk about that and potential breakout player, someone new to the roster that you know fans are gonna want to see. Go down the line again, starting with you, Okay, uh, well, on offense and defense, CSU Pueblo returns six players on, on the offense and six players on defense. Probably the most uh, significant on offense is Austin Nietzsche, who really wasn't a starter, but he's, he's a kid that comes in like in the second quarter and gives him a, a boost, and he's going to probably get the starting nod this year in the backfield at tailback. Um, you know, the, their biggest question, obviously, is, is the quarterback. They have Gunnar Lamphere. And then uh, and Jordan Kitna, who is John, that sounds like a familiar name, isn't it? <laughs> uh, John Kitna's son, who is a transfer in. And, and those two were really battling it out. Uh, Lamphere redshirted last year. He broke his redshirt, uh, you know, as a freshman. He, he was going to redshirt, but he had to break it because of injuries. There, you know, CSU Pueblo used four quarterbacks last year. So uh, there's <laughs> one other dimension, Zach Cozzolinos. You know, in the mix, the quarterback, he's a Pueblo South kid, yeah. and he's a kid that uh, I know when we went at the RMAC, uh, you know, big, big RMAC event here in the summer, uh, Riston stood up there and said, you know, Cosalino's the kind of kid that may win us a game. You know, if somebody gets hurt, he may come in the fourth quarter and win you a game. So that's, that's the kind of kid he is. You know, we saw him, we saw him have a great career with the Colts, and, and so they, they, those, are, those are the guys to really look for on offense. Uh, Jason Wibbles, uh, defensive lineman. He's a he's a preseason All American. He's you know they they lost two or three of their linemen, including Coach Riskin's uh, nephew, who was you know these guys were All American types. And uh, but you know John said there's a possibility this this defensive line could be better 
in last year's defensive line. Well, you know, last <laughs> year's defense led uh, the conference in almost every category. You, yeah. could, you couldn't even find a category they didn't lead in, <laughs> except for maybe fourth down conversion. Well, yeah, it wasn't like red zone or something. Red zone conversion. They were, like but they were second. You know, yeah. so so uh, I, I look for I look for you know there I think there's a there's a CU uh, transfer called named Christian Shaver mm-hmm. who's going to be the middle linebacker and he's going to he's going to take the place of Pear who was a two-time you know uh, Armac Defensive Player of the Year uh, so Christian Shaver he he was at CU he was a basically a special teams player gotcha. and he's been at, but he's been at, at CSU Pueblo for a couple years now so he knows the system he's he's big six three two thirty around there so I mean he's going to fill in nicely and I, I don't see that I, in the defense the, the, the strength of the defense in their secondary you know they have they have some players uh, you know that, that really Tan, Tanner Draper uh, Taylor you know on the, on the corner they have they have nothing but you know outstanding athletes all over the field uh, maybe the maybe weakness of this team might be their punter you know, they, 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 really, they have a freshman. You know, some, what, what a struggle! A couple punter, a couple kids that are you know trying out for punter, and uh, you know they have Mitch Mitchell Carter back as the kicker, one of the best kickers. You know, when you have a program like this, you know you look at the special teams. That's where that's where that's the difference in winning and losing games. And their special teams have been great over the years. But um, those are those are the players really to watch. And and there's a couple transfers coming in. You know, we're gonna have to look for uh, yeah, always, always yeah. at CSU Pueblo. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> when you win, they, you attract everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, some transfers, you know, these are these are Division One guys that actually play Division One football. Yeah. Right. That for yeah. one re- reason or another, they're here. And you know, hopefully during the year we can tell their stories. They always have that pipeline. You know, Mike Pinnell's with Patriots now. He's one of these guys came from CU, right. played one season, kind of like a free agent pickup. Yeah. You know, he's in the NFL. I mean, that's they've been doing that since. And the one thing I might mention, uh, John Rispin said that this is probably this is one of the few years he's been able to keep this coaching staff together. Yeah. You know, when you win, you know your coaches leave. You know, you know we saw we have a, we have one one of the former coaches, the defensive coordinators down at down at Texas A and M Commerce, who they play this year in the in the by the way in their only non league games. So, yeah. um, so having coaching staff together. Like, I mean, how much stronger can this, this program get? But yeah. you keep them together. That's that's a scary thought. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very much unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah, it feels like oh it. Feels like it feels absolutely fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Pueblo West. Right. Yeah, Pueblo guys. Yeah, I got established guys. guys, breakout guys. Yeah, um, you know, I'm looking at the offense on this one. Uh, Mentioned him before, uh, Dawson Anagati, senior mm-hmm. wide receiver again, deep threat, fast guy. Yeah. Um, you know, hoping to catch some passes, but where it's going to really change is he's going to be taken in the defensive backfield. Okay. So they like to go put athletes back there that um, could take care of business and run down guys. In in Badera's system, he does not do the two way players. He tries not to. Mm-hmm. He tries that last year they didn't they didn't have one. Well, you know, Anagati is going to be a think the only one, if not maybe two, um, that they're going to have uh, go both James ways. was one last. James but that was more forced, right? Cause that was injury. forced. He was like number four in the depth yeah. chart, and then yeah. all of a sudden, one thing leads to another. He's the Pikes Peak League Player of the Year. It's, that's <laughs> just um, the way it works. That's the athlete, athlete. That's, yeah. That whole school right with boys sports, crazy amount of athletes, and, and you're going to see some of these kids that are sophomores come up and really make an impact, too, is... 
it's you know go back to middle school a little bit I mean, these all these guys were in eighth grade they're at skyview they won the city championship went like eight and oh or something didn't allow a single point in, in wow. yeah. yeah i think oh, i think honest. twice honest. i think twice in that season if i remember correctly uh an opposing team crossed the 50. wow that so so these guys know how to win so it's a good sophomore class oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. these guys know how to win and they really don't know what it's like to lose. Yeah. And you can almost be like, well, are they going to deal with adversity well? But Darius isn't worried about that at all. Yeah. They're just a really talented group. And one of the guys I want to mention that's in that group is uh, Jeremiah Sanchez. Yeah. Um, he, he played a little baseball during the... That's a familiar name. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Dan Sanchez, baseball coach. Uh, <laughs> that's his son. And um, his name keeps being brought up as one of the guys that might be toting the rock a lot. Um, you know, they kind of, he's going to be second on the depth chart. Matt Rudd is going to be the uh, starting uh, tailback for them. Gotcha. If, you may not remember his name last year. He, he got hurt in the first game. He was the heir apparent to that broke position. Broke his collarbone, missed the rest of yep. the year. Um, he ultimately got the final out in the state baseball championship. Yeah, you he, know, but um, <laughs> yeah, two years ago, he was that guy that always came on to spell. Um, the, uh, the starting tailback, and he ended up getting like 700 yards yeah. and like nine touchdowns as a sophomore <laughs> and just kind of mop up dude. Right. Yeah. And so he was ready to go short, fast, and he's he's going to be relied upon a lot. The biggest thing for him is going to be is he going to be slow getting because <coughs> he hasn't been in that game yeah. situation in almost two years. Yeah. But, you know, Badaris is really confident on what he's able to do there. Um, another person to watch, which I don't know if anybody you guys are going to mention, an offensive lineman and your players to watch. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go there. Do it. I'm going to go it. there. Uh, Give so, him love. Give him so love. So this is the kind of guy, this name, I don't want to ever fight a guy with this name. <laughs> Vladimir Dabovich. Sounds, oh, like, no. sounds like a Russian strongman. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, sounds like not a Russian. Yeah, exactly. Russian, Russian MMA. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So he's a, a sophomore, I believe, um, and he's going to be uh, likely starting a tackle. Um, gotcha. 6'4", about 250, 240, something like that. Wow. <laughs> Great frame, and he's just going to yeah. get bigger and better. And um, this is a very veteran offensive line. And for him to be able to make his way into that, playing the smash-mouth kind of game that Pueblo West does, that's that talks a lot about um, his talent level. And it's, you know... Tough, tough offense. Like these guys are going to be scared to get hit or or dish it out. Yeah. So it'll be yeah, really interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, that'll be important because, like you're saying, you know, they got some running backs that are inexperienced or in Rudd's case, but now. Mm-hmm. So if you got some better linemen, you know, yep. creating bigger holes, you know, it probably makes right. the job a little bit easier. And, and I wouldn't even use that term inexperienced because last year it's like they were scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Just don't yeah. happen. The bottom of the barrel is awesome, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they feel good that if these guys stay healthy, they're in a way better situation than last year. Their leading rusher only got like 600 yards last year. James, that's all he got. He just got a bunch of touchdowns and and things like that. They didn't really get the kind of yardage they wanted. They just just beat people up. Still in what, 82? Yeah, eight three. Yeah, and yeah, they just didn't allow points. That's kind of what it came down to. But yeah. you know, I'd, I'd be remiss to mention. I kind of didn't mention this in the beginning. Is that Pueblo West is in a situation where their league that they're in is <coughs> hope hope nobody from the opposing teams are watching. Absolutely freaking terrible. <laughs> there, there, there's one, there's one team worth a darn, and that's Rampart. The rest of yeah. them, it's mercy rule by second quarter. Yeah. Okay. Any of I, I, I'm pretty confident you take probably at least. 
south and east, and possibly more from this city they'd win that league to. Wow. Yeah, it's even though it's four A. So it's a pretty weak league. league. Yeah. It, it's pretty weak <laughs> league. And so with them it's all gonna be the first part of the season, the yeah. non league schedule, and then they're gonna be able to sleepwalk probably through league if they felt like it, they won't. Yeah. Isn't that gonna change next year though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, okay. they're, they're, next year, they you're it. not going to be able to say. Nope, because I, I, I think Pine. I think Pine. Not not with. Not the, the, they're staying four A. Well, okay. uh, football, but yeah, uh, yeah. Pine Creek is coming back for their league. Pine Creek's back. And there was oh gosh, isn't Fruita? Yeah, yeah Fruita's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Fruita's coming. I thought Fountain Park Carson was too. Yes. Yeah. Ah. So Fruita, Pine Creek, Fountain Park. So you better enjoy this year off. Enjoy this run. They don't want. They don't want that league schedule, man. They, That's they, tough. They That's want, brutal. They want a bat. They want the lead they have next year. They yeah. want because that way maybe they can handle that first round game a little yeah. bit better because they haven't been tested in a while. Yeah. So, so I mean, will having that that schedule next season will that make it more difficult to get to the playoffs? You know, when you talk to any football coach, I would say that they want to have those. They'd rather have a team that goes seven and three going against that competition, yeah, going to yeah, playoffs, oh yeah. than nine and one. Just and, some and play, just patty cakes. They, yeah. they don't want that because once you get into this state, and again, for the most part, those running defensive teams are who wins in the state. They yeah. need to be able to match up with them. Period. Definitely. You know? Definitely. So they, yeah, they want that. That makes most sense. Yeah. Sweet. All right, Marcus, you're up. Well, I don't have an offensive lineman, unfortunately, <laughs> on my list. Well, <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Um, I do have a state champion, though, so I'll, I'll see you in Rage one. Um, That's pretty that's fair. Marvin London Jr., obviously, you know, he was a, a second on the team in yardage to Kane Madrano last year. You know, obviously, Kane is uh, at UCLA now. Um, but, you know, he did pretty well for himself. And I'm being modest slash generous when I say pretty well for himself. He, uh, let me get the numbers right here. He had 73 catches for 1,083 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, he got some numbers himself. And he was able to do some pretty amazing things out there. Um, obviously, it'll be different having a new quarterback and not having Kane on the, on the opposite side of him or however they decide to line things up. But, you know, I don't see him not having another 1,000-yard season and having back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. It's pretty impressive. And, you know, also, 4 by one champion, he was the third leg in that. So that that's also a little something to brag on. Um, Legs are fresh. Yeah, he, he's going to be good to go. I mean, defenses, they're obviously going to be targeting him to try to shut him down and make East throw elsewhere. But he's a speed demon, so good luck catching him if he's just streaking down the, down the field. And, yeah. I doubt anybody's going to get to him in this sense. So, um, let's see. As far as the uh, the athlete to watch, it seems kind of unfair to say a QB is the athlete to watch, but you know, Jack is the new quarterback. Uh, he played behind Luke last year. He got a couple couple of reps in there. He was a uh, yeah. let's see, fifteen to twenty eight, two hundred eighteen yards and a touchdown, and yeah. you know That's he seems pretty good pretty, for mop up. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. I was going to say he seems pretty confident in himself <laughs> and. Uh, Coaches are confident in him. Staff is confident. Seems like everybody is good with what he possesses. And I heard that he has a cannon for an arm, so I guess we're going to get to see a lot of that this season. Um, it'll be really tough, obviously, because, you know, now he's expected to to be that guy. And he's expected to lead the team that came off of a state appearance, a, a runners-up trophy last year. And a lot of people think they can get back, so I guess he'll be the one to prove it. We'll see. Okay. I mean, he's got... Obviously, Marvin, 
as you touched on, was that target. But, you know, there's other guys returning. Caden Bowman's a senior. They got good junior class with uh, Jackson Herring and Brandon Harding. Those guys have experience. So, I mean, he's got the weapons there. Yeah, for it's, sure. it's not like they're lacking on offense no. at all. Like, of course, they lost powerhouses. They lost a lot of great kids. Uh, they lost quite a few people off the both lines, actually. Um, yeah. Couple of them are wrestlers at CSUP. Couple of them are elsewhere. Um, you know they lost a lot of leadership, but it's not like they don't have the tools or the necessary knowledge to get to where they need to be. Which, preferably for them, I'm guessing is back at state and hopefully hoisting a title for them. Yeah, I mean you touched on Kane's numbers a little bit too, and Luke had insane numbers as well. But you know you have those two guys that kind of took up all those stats. I mean how not Jeff touched on. I mean they have a roster that's just full of people. I mean how nice is it to have? The kind of depth you think? I mean, that's that's absolutely amazing because you look at some schools. I believe South is one of them. Uh, you go further, you go to Rye. You know, those guys are just searching for bodies and whatnot. They've they've got plenty of them, but I think East has has a hundred and twenty on their max preps roster. So um, you know, searching for backups or replacements or whoever it may be. You know, they have plenty of people to get on the field for them and do work. So I don't think. Uh, finding the bodies out there is going to be an issue yeah, me either <laughs> all right for my uh kind of guy to watch uh we're gonna go central with brandon martin uh the last of the martin family that is there all of his brothers have graduated uh him and nico last year were pretty much central's offense i think there was only like 700 of their 2000 yards that weren't between them something like that it was a crazy number but nico's gone now and with him gone, uh, Central is moving Brandon to quarterback, which he said he's never played in his life. So <laughs> kind of an interesting move there, but it's, I, he's probably not going to be expected to throw too much. He'll probably be, you know, more running, more rushing offense. You know, Brandon Martin probably run some options, you know, stuff like that. But Brandon Martin just can do anything on the field, really. I mean, you look at him on offense, but defense last year, he had four interceptions, which was tied for second in the league behind Kane, who had seven. But Brandon Martin's just lightning fast. I mean, just everywhere. You know, he's a little shorter, but I think that plays in, you know, being a shorter guy myself, <laughs> I'm going to say that's an advantage. You know, he's a little, you know, hard to every grab, hard to bring down. Every time. Short, <laughs> short guys. <laughs> yes. No, no short jokes. <laughs> but, I mean, Brandon Martin, he's just a lightning bolt. I mean, Coach Chris Carman agreed and said that, you know, they're going to look to him too. You know, he's a senior now. He's been with the team. I mean, he's been with his brothers. You know, maybe – He's been able to hide behind that a little bit with his brothers, but now he's the guy, and they're going to be looking at him really all year as Central. You know, they're trying to get, trying to make this leap finally into the playoffs. And like for four and six last year, they came in the league four and one and were just on fire. But you know, they met County and lost their first game, and then just kind of went down from there. So their goals this year to kind of reach the playoffs, and Brandon Martin could be a dynamic enough player to potentially put him there. And. Uh, for the breakout player I was looking at was uh, over in County with uh, Chase Hartman. He's a junior. But really, County's got a lot kind of different going for him with them. Going for him. Monte, P- Monte Pinkerton is their new head coach over there, which, Anthony, you know I'm sure a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's a very kind of traditional guy, if I say. That's a, you know, that's a good way to put it. He really focused on the run game when I talked to him, really focused on defense when I talked to him and really battling in the trenches. And really, County's going to love that because, you know, they've already been this kind of rushing team. I mean, last year they had Lane Sherwood, quarterback, who <laughs> didn't really throw it much, but leading rusher had pretty much all their total yardage. But he's gone now. And Chase Hartman could be that guy to, you know, 
step up into that role as a running back. I don't, it doesn't look like he'll be that kind of QB running back mm-hmm. situation that Sherwood was, but he'll be an option in the run game. They have Colin Raper as well, who might yeah. be the quarterback. And, you know, that kind of combination they're going to yeah. try to rely on. And I think Chase Hartman can, you know, kind of succeed in that. He was their second leading rusher last year with about 350 yards. So he can kind of step in, step up into that and, you know, keep that tradition of county over there. And, right. you know, with Pinkerton's new scheme, maybe they can, you know, find different ways to rush yeah. the ball and, you know, find holes. I don't know how much of a new scheme. It's just kind of like <laughs> a tougher, more dogged approach. I mean, yeah. his teams always run it down your throat. Yeah. They're always tougher than you usually. Yeah. And that's that's going to be the same thing. It's going to be interesting to see how how tough – this county team turns yeah, out. I think the biggest question of the year of county with Baker to take it over is, is he going to onside kick every, every time? Yeah. He will. You know, I mean, he's he's all about that percentage. Playing the odds. Is he going to transfer that over he's, to the He's like a baseball manager. I, I, I guarantee you. Yeah, he loves that onside we kick. We might, might need to open up a line at Pigskin Classic about if he's going to start with an onside. <laughs> that especially, yeah. especially a Cyclone Stadium out there. Oh, that'd be fun to see. Because, you know, uh, to put it lightly, the fans were wishy-washy about the onside kick thing. And if it and, works, it works. Hey, I mean, there, there are some years yeah. where they were able to run up scores like 50 to nothing in a quarter and a half just because onside, onside, on. Yeah. yeah. We also you know, saw, we also saw it hurt them in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, when they got the playoffs yeah. against a team that they, they couldn't move the ball like that. Yep. I mean, field position becomes a, a factor when yeah. it comes into the mm-hmm. postseason. And, if you don't you know, get We it. saw that a couple <laughs> times, but, you know, he's, he's, he's stubborn. Yeah. He's gonna he's he, he found this little this little formula. I think it was it's some guy in Florida that came up with it. Uh-huh. You know, about <laughs> ten years ago when Monty said, Well, it, it, you do you get better field position when you when you and you and you plus once out of every four or five times you can recover yeah. an onside mm-hmm. kick and it's gonna give you more possessions and more chances to score. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, it was like it was like part part of the baseball dynamics and yeah. with all the numbers that baseball comes yeah. up with now. Yeah. He, he started this in football many years ago. So <laughs> that, anyway, I thought that was one, yeah. one, no, one, of, the things, one of the things to look for. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, first time I covered them, and I saw on sides. I was like, what? Well, there was a co- uh, there was a coach too at uh, in in the Denver Prep League that, that, that uh-huh. does that too. Uh-huh. And um, you know, he, he's he's the kind of guy that you know you ask him if you're going to continue to do it. When the score is forty to nothing, oh no, we're we're kicking it deep. Guess what <laughs> happened the very next time that they kicked off on some kick? Yep. Yeah. He oh, goes, yeah. my kid, my kid doesn't know how to kick it deep. You know, <laughs> kicker. That's an excuse, you know. So that's not an excuse. That's okay, not I, I bought it. I bought it. I said, okay, I, I can yeah, buy that. Yeah. Now, County probably just wish that. So, so Monty's not the only one in the state that does this. Yeah. No, not at all. There's a couple. Of, there's a couple of teams that like that like to do this on site. Remember, there's a story on ESPN a few years ago. This Texas team, they onside kick every time. They oh. never punt. They go for every fourth. It doesn't matter where yeah. they are. They go for it on fourth. Yeah. You know, it's just all this. Math and, well, and, stuff, and then so. funny. The funny thing when he when he first started this, the rules were in your favor as, as an onside kick team, yeah. where you could go blow up. You know, the player could you could go blow up the defense mm-hmm. and then have your guy recover. Mm-hmm. Now you you can't do that now. So gotcha. so the the rules have changed a little bit and made it a lot more difficult to recover onside kick. Well, I, I think I heard something in the NFL. There was only five onside kicks recovered last year. Was there even that many? I mean, that's. I feel like it was even. You can see because they first of all the the kicker the kicker can't go past five yards, and none none of the uh, Mm -hmm. none of the kicking team can can be. And the same thing, the same thing in high school. But it's it's now graduated to the NFL. Almost impossible to recover an inside kick. I mean, that's, that doesn't mean they're going to stop trying. There's, oh, yeah. <laughs> no. well, there's not, but there's a lot fewer onside kicks too. Yeah, 
but but there was only five recovered. I think I, I think it was on it was on Monday Night Football when the Broncos were thinking about onside and kick <laughs> in a preseason game. Exactly. Of course, somebody's going to find a way to put some magic spin on it. It's going to bounce back to them, and then they'll recover it that way. People are tricky. It's got to go ten yards. Mark. I've seen their kickers do it. It'll, it'll go eleven, then it'll come back, and then they'll get it back. They'll, they'll find something. They'll bounce it off. It's got to. It's got to be ten yards before they touch it. If it came back and went nine, and they recovered, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. Oh, that's lame. Rules are amazing. Now, yeah. That'll be really fun to watch. And speaking of fun to watch, our last part that we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, key games that, you know, we really think that if you're into Pueblo football, you should probably get out and watch some of these and start with Jeff again. Yeah, CSU Pueblo, uh, they kind of sort of an interesting schedule. They have six home games this year. Last year, they only had four, so it was tough to see CSU Pueblo. I mean, they were gone a lot. Um, I didn't get to see them very often. And, <laughs> but they have six home games and they have two home games in September, two in October, and then they have three in November. So, the first time we're gonna, they're gonna, their first two two games are on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, they go to Dixie in in Utah, and they go to Chadron, and both both league games. But their home opener, and it's gonna be a red out at, at the Thunder Bowl, is against you know the dreaded Colorado School of Mines. <laughs> it's hard to, hard for me to say that the Colorado School of Mines become a football power. But they become a power in almost every sport. Oh, yeah. They, 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 their facilities are incredible now, and they've done a great job at, at recruiting. And they and their their alumni are very involved now, and, they, and they're like this in every sport. So yeah. that's the game of the year. Because last year, CSU Pueblo went to Colorado Mines and stumbled in the second game of the year, and then they had their backs against the wall all year and have to have to win. And then they got a, they they got them. You know, measure of revenge, and, and and they went back at, during the playoffs and beat Colorado School of Mines, and that was just that was a coaching thing. I mean, that was an incredible good coaching game to watch because yeah. they just they they stopped Colorado Mines' offense. They, I mean, Mines is averaging you know almost 600 yards of offense and 60 mm-hmm. points a game. They didn't move the ball at all. It was an incredible job by you know both the coaches and the players with their game plan. So, you know, September 21st, Thunderbolt, Colorado School of Mines. The following week's not a bad one either. Texas A&M Commerce comes yeah. in for their only non-league game. You know, two years ago, this team was a national champion yeah. in Division yeah. Two, And, of course, last year they were ranked number one when CSU Pueblo went down there and beat them in a driving mm-hmm. rainstorm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, a, what a great what a great yeah. win. And that was coming off the Colorado School of Mines loss. You know, so so uh, that, that sort of propelled them into the RMAC season and really and really pushed them all the way through that season was that was that win at Texas A&M. Because I don't know what, if, if they would have lost that game, they would have two losses. Yeah. I, can you can you remember the last time CSU Pueblo lost two in a row? That, we might have to go back the record books. Uh, yeah. 84. Probably. <laughs> back, 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 <laughs> back, back, back before they brought football yeah, Probably 08, actually. Yeah, yeah. 08, the first year. Yeah. 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 Might have been. That's but, uh, so that's the biggest game. I think that's the biggest game of the year for CSU Pueblo. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Sweet. Right. Well, Pueblo is the world. I know uh, local people might think, what about county? What about east? Sorry, guys. It ain't going to be a local game. It's all about every season for the last decade. It's been when we play Pine Creek. That's all they talk about in we, that program. When did you go join the I'm team? I'm not saying we. I'm it's quoting. We. Oh, <laughs> I'm quoting okay. for God's sakes. But, no, it's, <laughs> that's what they always say. Yeah. And it's uh, Pine Creek's coming uh, to Pueblo West this year. Mm. Uh, they played them last year twice. Up there, tough. and, and they, they, they played tough. tough. They were up at halftime. I think it was 9 0, which doesn't sound like much, but they were beating the heck out of them. And then 
Pine Creek eventually came back and got him, and uh, Pine Creek's team ended up getting to the quarterfinals last year, which is actually kind of a bad <coughs> show for them. But, <laughs> yeah, they uh, got upset. Yeah, they, 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 upset. they got upset by Skyline. They were they were like a two or three seed. Uh, they were. Uh, two. I mean, they were high, pretty high. Speed. No, I think they were one. It might have been one, yeah. One or two, yeah, and so. That's always the game for these guys, and they're going to be here, and it's going to be a measuring stick, and it's <coughs> right before league, so it's going to be like their last real big-time test, more or less, unless Rampart goes crazy this year um, before they get to playoffs. So they're really going to be relying on that, and they feel like they can beat them, and again, last year they were an inexperienced team, and they had it up on them, so they definitely feel like this year they can take care of it, but... Pine Creek has a stud at running back, David Moore the third. He's gonna be a D one yeah. kid. How many years did the guy play? He started he started like, as a freshman like redshirted in high school. Yeah. <laughs> he was starting when he was a freshman, I, I believe. And so he's just a freaking stud, this kid. And um, you know, he drives up from Whitefield to go to Pine Creek, I won't comment. But um, <laughs> regardless, um yeah. It's open enrollment. Yeah, that's right. Um but remember the girl at Regis that she went played at Regis basketball? She drove from Springs to, to Denver oh, every day. Gosh. Wow. So, that's Whitefield, Whitefield, that's Whitefield is nothing. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, <laughs> that's a whole different subject. Yeah, but um, they play similar styles of play. It's all physical, not much passing. They just look for that big play if they can through the air. But more or less, it's running it down your throat. And Pueblo West, right now, unless Rudd becomes that guy, they're not going to have a running back that matches more. So, um what are they going to do to bridge that gap? And I think they think it's passing. I, I think that if they can develop their passing game to the point to where you got fast guys going over the middle, get the slot, you might be able to penetrate right through that defense. So okay. um, it's uh, that's going to be the big one for them. I mean, not only is this like football kind of rivalry, this feels like a, just a school rivalry too. I mean, back in baseball season, I mean, yeah. you felt like that win against Pine Creek right, was yeah, the difference was, in the season. It was season. a 5A thing, but that was definitely yeah. Yeah, a difference. But I mean, yeah, these two schools – don't seem to like each other really in anything. And they've went against each other in the playoffs. Jeez. Don't quote me. I want to say three times in the last decade. They're playing almost every year. Um, you get, but Paul West hasn't beaten them since like 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's one of those things where it's a rivalry in Pueblo West. Mine, maybe not so much for Pine Creek. Okay. So yeah. if, if they can pull it off, that's. If they beat Pine Creek, they're going to think we can win the whole thing. That's why it's going to be such a huge game. Makes sense. Pine Creek's going to see this and use this as fuel now. The viewer count just went up. Maybe you're <laughs> Some, somebody just made a call to to Todd over there. But there you go. There you go. They're not going to be happy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I just report. <laughs> Marcus, you're up. Game, um, game to watch. My game to watch is going to be Pueblo South when they go against Palmer Ridge. Um, Palmer Ridge is probably an unfortunate, but maybe not unfortunate. It's not a name that a lot of Pueblo folks like right now. Um, they, they've, they've caused a lot of nightmares, and they gave <laughs> South a couple of them last year. They were So South was 0-3 going into that game, and then they gave them pretty much a spanking. Uh, I think it was, let's <laughs> I think it was 41-14. Yeah. And, you know, South is on the road, so they're doing all this in front of uh, Palmer Ridge's home fans. And then, well, Ty Evans, I believe, was his name. Yeah. I should know that a, a lot more solid. But uh, it, he, he had an incredible performance out there. And, you know, obviously he's gone now. But 
this is South's opportunity to kind of get some revenge because they also dispatched him in the playoffs. Um, that one wasn't pretty either. Let's see, I believe the score was 41-7 in the first round. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was rough for him. So, you know, hopefully South has had a lot of uh, a lot of time to kind of let that marinate. And that's something that they'll be able to build off of because I'm pretty sure, you know, even though Palmer Ridge isn't, the same caliber that they were last season. They are the defending state champs. So getting that game against the state champs, I believe that will be game four once again for them. So essentially the same deal. And that game is out here this year. I believe it's seven o'clock. That's usually when all the games are. So seven o'clock somewhere in that area. But uh, it'll be a really important one for South to get off the bat with that and hopefully get a win for them. It's not the game that South plays at the Thunderbolt, is it? I, actually, I think that might be the game. I think it is. Maybe. Yeah, they do play one game at the Thunderbolt, yeah, and that might, be the, that might be the one. That yeah. might be the one. Well, that might be or something. Uh, yeah. something. I mean, especially because Palmer Ridge won their, won their state title. Oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Painful <laughs> memories for everybody involved. So, I mean, yeah. if, if they – that's like returning to the scene of the crime and yeah. making things yeah. worse, yeah. essentially. So, I mean, <laughs> the Thunderbolt has to be filled up for that. You know, not even just for South, just for the town in general to – no, well, I'm a Colorado Springs kid, so it hurts me to say this, but <laughs> to let no or let Springs know that they can't just come up here and just live like that. I thought you were gonna pick an East game because he, he's yeah, no, we picked I'm, West. I'm I learned black. I picked CSU Pueblo. <laughs> I thought you were gonna pick East. Chose the chose the wrong <laughs> colors today. Huh? I don't know what, really, yeah, what that color is. This is like a mix. maybe a, maybe a, a, mix. a, a centennial wash. <laughs> yeah, there it comes. Yeah, I mean, what I'm gonna talk about is kind of involved centennial. I'm gonna. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit and talk about Cannon and Bell game. Because, yeah. you know, every year, those are the games in Pueblo. You know, bring out all these folks. Obviously, the Bell game. You know, you know the storyline. All this rivalry west of the Mississippi and all that. 15,000 people come out. But really, these games are going to hold a lot of meaning this year because we'll start with the Bell game. I mean, Centennial and Central are both teams that are, have been on an upswing. They're trying to improve their record. And really, they both want playoffs this year. I mean, that's what they're looking at. I even tried to talk to him about the Bell game. I didn't really want to talk about it because they were saying we're trying to focus one week at a time, you know, yeah. get to the playoffs. So this Bell game, I feel like this year, you know, the past few years, you know, they've been kind of down in the dumps a little bit. They've been good games, but, you know, in terms of the season, it hasn't meant much for them. This year, I think it could be big, you know, late in that league schedule, both trying to make, you know, final impression to potentially get into the playoffs. So I'll be big for both sides. And then... With the Cannon game, too, I mean, that, that could decide the SEL. I mean, yeah. East has obviously been a team of the decade. South, right behind them, I mean, they had a state title in 2017. is in 4A, but still, I mean, that's an established program over there. And, you know, Durant goes out there in this league, too. But I think it's going to come down to East and South. And really, the Cannon game could really decide it all. Who's going to get that, you know, spot in the playoffs from winning league? So. Yeah. Fun times in Pueblo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very much a, lot, so. a lot of great games. Yes. A lot of great games to go to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A lot of good home games, too. There's a there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of teams that have a lot more home games than they've had in the past. It yeah. seemed like, I remember last year we had one weekend that we didn't have a home game. In yeah. Yeah. That was but, uh, That's not going to happen this year. No. That was odd. And, and then we do have one game, one weekend where we do have five games on a Friday. I think, well, at least four. Yeah. In fact, it's the night South plays at the Thunderbolt. Yeah, because yep. yeah, that's and why. Yeah, that's the reason yeah. you're at the Thunderbolt. Pueblo West has a game at home, and then there's and there's one at 
I think that's the Bell game week. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it is. That's it a is. tough schedule. Yeah. yeah. County yeah, and West is. scheduling home games and South has a home game. Yeah. I don't know how attendance will be at those. <laughs> yeah, they sort of spread that out. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to talk yeah. to some athletic directors. You know, <laughs> scheduling games during those big games. Like they yeah. talk to each other. Come on. <laughs> They're the best friends. <laughs> Everybody. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us for the, uh, this first week of the Pueblo Pigskin podcast. You can listen to it. Uh, we're going to post this on our website as well if you missed it. Uh, if you're coming in late to the party, you can still watch the video on Facebook. It'll be up there still. So, and tune in there. We'll post we'll post the podcast link on here as well soon. And know we're going to be here. We're going to try to be here every week and, you know, talk about what's going on each week, what to look at each weekend. First game is August 30th. Uh, only home game is Pueblo South, but East is on the road and West is on the road as well, August 30th. So. Don't we're forget Dolores Huerta's here too. Yeah, Dolores Huerta's here too. Several, yeah, playing <laughs> play at, at, at the Freed uh, Middle School. Yeah, Freed I mean, Middle School. Dolores Huerta's itself is a whole fun story. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, being displaced and they got seven home games this year now. So, all right, thanks guys for tuning in.